Welcome back to a new season of Anecdote. We're officially on season four. Just as a little information for our listeners, uh, we at the main campus decided to separate seasons by semester compared to school years. So the semester of fall 2023 will be season five, spring 2024 will be season six, etc. We're happy to be back for another season and just want to extend a thank you to all of our listeners. Whether you listen to every episode or jump from here to there, we appreciate each and every one of you who tune into the podcast. So today's episode is a little special. We're going to be talking about a lot of news and updates that have happened at the University of Maine this past semester. A lot of it's going to touch on information that came in last semester that maybe didn't get touched on enough or something that we just want to rediscuss or highlight, um, but also it's going to be stuff that's relevant right now to UMaine students in the community. Right. So essentially, if you're a student at UMaine and you have no clue what's going on, here's your little recap episode of everything. (laughs) You're listening to Anecdote. Main Campus Media's official podcast. I'm Rose DeWayne, current podcast producer. And I'm Grace Blanchard, current editor-in-chief for Main Campus Media. Okay, so introductions. All right, on today's episode, we're sat down with University of Maine Student Government Senator, Policy and Procedure Chair, and Vice President Candidate Keegan Tripp to give updates from the student government and to talk about general news that has been happening on campus. Keegan, would you like to begin by introducing yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Keegan Tripp. I am a um, political science student here at the University of Maine. Um, I joined student government like the third day I was here. Like literally I moved in and then got my papers to join student government because I knew that's what (laughs) I wanted to do. And ever since I've just been I'm doing my best to, like, make some positive changes for campus, so I'm so glad that you guys brought me here so I can speak a little bit about what we've been doing over there and just down the hallway. Yeah. (laughs) Would you like to go into just announcements? Some updates? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a few written up. The first I want to talk about was the transitions of power that we recently went through, as you guys reported on and um, hopefully some people saw. Our former president, Alyssa Chisulo, did step down, all for good reasons, and we wish her the absolute best. But to continue operations for the rest of the semester, we did have to reappoint the vice presidency because Connor Bray, former vice president, now president, stepped into that role. And uh, he recently, in our last uh, Senate meeting, appointed Michael Delorge as VP. Uh, Michael Delorge was our former vice president of student leadership because we have like a, a board of vice presidents and then the vice president. And... Michael is a hugely impressive person, super fun to work with, such a great student leader, like awesome. So I have no doubts that he's going to do an amazing job. But with appointing him to VP, that left another vacancy, which was the VPSL position, which we uh, appointed uh, Jacob Chaplin to. He is another, uh, probably the most influential senator on Senate right now, has been there for a long time. So definitely, I think both are great picks to get us the rest of the semester. Mm-hmm. So that was the first, was the transitions of power. Second, our annual budgets. So how we work is, obviously, we get the activity fee. We redistribute to clubs and uh, club sports and stuff across campus. And right now we're doing our 
end-of-the-year budgets, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> um, our VPFA wrote up a little thing that I'm going to read for you guys, just for general information. <clears throat> Annual budget season is here. <laughs> VPFA Allen is currently taking meetings with any clubs interested in an office budget, sports clubs, and representative boards. Budget packets are available in room 150 of the Memorial Union, and budgets are due on March 10th at noon in the room 150. Email Paige Allen with any questions. So, any clubs out there, make sure you get that done. That's super important. Make sure we can get you guys your money for next semester, which is super good. And the last thing that I have for specifics is the election, which is coming up. Candidates have now been official. Right now, we have one candidate for president, and then four candidates for VP, of which I am one. <laughs> um, and we will all be giving platform speeches on the 28th during our Senate meeting. Senate is from 6 to 8 on Tuesdays. So that uh, February 28th meeting, um, each candidate will take their turn, go up, have a few minutes to kind of give their elevator pitch on their platform. So that'll be kind of the first event that happens. The next will be the debates, which is super important. And I know you guys will be there to cover. Yes. But that happens on March uh, 6th, and that'll be at 5 o'clock in the North Pod. Um, so that'll be cool. You get to see the candidates all on one place. They'll be discussing issues, questions, etc. from our FEPC chair. So that'll be fun. Definitely worth tuning in. And then finally, the election day is March 22nd. Polls are open from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., and everyone will receive an email to vote digitally. We use this program called Qualtrics, which is like just a kind of like a Google Forms-esque vibe. Mm-hmm. But then you'll also be able to send in a uh, physical ballot if you want to vote like in a, on a paper ballot right in the office at those same times, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. So definitely tune in for that. Super important. These are people that are going to represent you and have con- like directional control over what we do next semester and those uh, issues that we want to take on. And then I guess my final thing that I want to plug is our Instagram. I mean, all of this information is great, but to keep up to date with every little thing, definitely follow UMSG on Instagram. Um, and we also will have a survey coming out soon. It's a big student survey um, that uh, VP Delorge has been working on to get some information, thoughts, questions about changes from on campus, which we'll be discussing today, but also like suggestions and like what are the students' priorities? We really want to start like get that you know connection with those students because we that's what we represent that's what we're here to do so we want to hear from you guys so that that is all i got in terms of uh, updates awesome thank you so much i just wanted to clarify too with the debate that is open to all students on absolutely. campus anybody yep. can attend that. absolutely um yep uh it's kind of like a low-key thing mm-hmm. it's uh, it'll be good I'm unsure if like there'll be student asked questions. Um, that would be a question for our FEPC chair, which I could talk to. We sat down and met with the FEPC chair okay. about how main campus can be involved in that. So we're hoping to have um, a reporter there, but also be involved in developing some of the debate questions mm-hmm, and figuring sure. out what students want to know because mm-hmm. that's. I mean, our candidates are there to be a voice of the students, so Absolutely. that's really important. So I really hope to see a good turnout at the debate because sure. that's that's where students are going to learn what people are running on. Yeah, for sure. And if you don't turn in, if you're not like a student who does tune in to the Senate meeting for the campaign platforms and stuff, that's going to be like the main base where people will get to see those candidates. So I, I highly recommend any student to definitely tune into that because, like, like I said, these people, like you know, pull a lot of weight for these students. Mm -hmm. And it's important to 
to make sure that every student has a voice in terms of who is representing them, for sure. And with that, you also announced that you are going to be campaigning as a vice presidential candidate. Yes, I uh, am. Would you like to talk a little bit about that and what that uh, experience has been kind of like so far, and what some of your goals are for this? Yeah, campaign? I can absolutely talk about that. Um, so it was kind of a back and forth. Um, if you don't know, you have to get 200 signatures from an undergraduate student body to be on the ballot. And I kind of hesitated halfway through. I wasn't sure if I was going to run, but I am. My goal is kind of for running. I ran because we have quite a, a young Senate right now. And being new to the school, you'd think, oh, like, you know, usually like seniors or juniors run for these positions. But right now we have a really new Senate. We had kind of an issue in the beginning getting those uh, involvement rates up. But now that we have, it's like a lot of new faces, new ideas. So I thought I'd throw my hat in the ring. I mean, something that I've always been told is like, be the change you wish to see. And I see some very clear changes that I want to see. So I'm just throwing my hat in the ring. I want to, you know, make some good choices in terms of like the direction of student government. And um, I have very specific platform points, which we can go through if you want to now. Yeah. 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 So um, number one uh, point that I have, and you're going to hear it from all the candidates, it's kind of the buzzword right now, is transparency, hmm. um, <laughs> which of yeah. course, being a you know journalistic uh, you know institution, you guys, uh, I'm sure, appreciate transparency. Um, but I have some specifics on what that would look like, and it's kind of broken down into two parts. We have the internal transparency, which is how we can be more transparent, how UMSG can be more transparent. Um, and some of the stuff I want to do is connect student gov with the students more. I feel like there is this divide. We are supposed to be the representatives of the student body, and there's mm-hmm. only up to like 35 of us out of how many students, you know what right. I mean? And I feel like that there is kind of a lack but like of conversation between those two because we are, we're that representation to the administration. And in being so, we need to be actively asking and talking to those students. So something I would like to do that we don't do currently <clears throat> is like once each semester gets kind of rolling and we get that like consistency i would love to do like a meet the senate Mm. event this would be like an open house type thing where hopefully we'd probably cater it we'd have all the execs and senators there and that would be an opportunity for club leaders student leaders and other programs main campus etc to come and talk to these people like let's get those faces known because Mm. those are the people that students can come to about those issues so they shouldn't be strangers they shouldn't just be a name on a website there should be a per like there should be some personality there and there should be some like connection and i think that also highlighting you know what senators do what is like their roles that way when you do have an issue you can go that specific person whose whose job is to represent you because when we sign up like we work for you we work for the students and that's what needs to be like remembered i think sometimes it kind of gets lost in that after people go around for the signatures or whatnot, that, that connection gets lost. You have that initial conversation, mm-hmm. hey, I want to do this, I want to do that, but it gets busy. I mean, I'm putting in so many hours a week and not being paid for it, <laughs> yeah. right? And I don't have a lot of time to be going out and talking to students. Like, I'm a full-time student, too. We're all right. students. But to have those individual events where, like, club leaders can come in and be like, hey, like, this is my issue or this is a change I'd like to see. Just start that conversation rolling. So that would be my first thing. My second would be kind of utilizing the um, 
website and Instagram a lot more. Our website is extremely out of date. (laughs) We have senators from a few years ago. Some of our execs are solicited senators. And I mean, not, I wouldn't imagine our website gets too much traffic, Mm -hmm. but we could, you know, start advertising it more that way that, that it can become more uh, trafficked and used in terms of um, getting people involved and going to that, that website that has all our names to figure out who do I talk to? Right. Um, but also other student governments post their resolutions each week before they pass them. I think that would be a great idea. Like yeah. we, we don't post a lot on our Instagram, but like maybe if people knew what we were talking about each week, they would come in and speak on it. They would know because we don't, we don't do a great job in letting people know what we're doing at any given moment. Right. And with a lot of it being like that Robert's rules and that professionalism, it would mm-hmm. be nice to kind of like, a way that's easily digestible by like people on Instagram that easy swipe through a few slides or something like that with like details (laughs) and when we're voting on it and what it means and how this would affect the student body because a lot of times it is just us senators and executives in that room making those decisions and I would love to see more students be voicing their opinions not just when their club needs money which is absolutely valid but Mm -hmm. on like activism I feel like student government falls into this kind of constant just flow of like all right we have to pass money for you know organizations that's super important that's a large part of what we do but we kind of fall a little bit short on that activism for student issues so i'd like to see that more and also maybe some sort of dropbox or anonymous hotline type vibe where somebody can like hey i think this is an issue that needs to be addressed and that's something that we can check and go through and then finally i would also love now that i've got you guys here (laughs) um a system where the president and vp maybe writes up a brief each maybe either bi-weekly or monthly and sends it to you guys and you guys can post that it's like a big update about where is the activity fee going right where is Mm -hmm. what are we working on what are you doing to better you know the students lives here and also um, information about various new clubs like we're getting new clubs formed every Mm -hmm. week and like most clubs have like 15 to 20 members probably on average and I think that we could do a lot more in advertising those clubs either by posting pictures and information on our Instagram or in these like briefs that would really I think help out both with connecting you guys with that Mm -hmm. information but also the students because you guys are kind of the main newspaper like that's kind of that's what we should be working (laughs) together a lot more yes yes exactly I love that point because we actually last semester we um, brought in this new uh, segment on our website called Letters from the Dean and it's direct um, entries from Dean Dana that we do once a month as a way to try to, like you said, bridge the gap between administration and students Mm -hmm. and try to give administration an outlet to speak directly to the student body through us because we want to be able to work together with the administrators that are running the university. And For that sure. falls to student government as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have reporters that attend these general se- uh, student senate meetings each week, but there's only so much that they can absorb as well because, like you said, there's a lot of jargon in Robert's mm-hmm. rules that are unfamiliar to us. For so sure. trying to figure out how we can create that communication line for the student body I think is so important because, as you mentioned, student government and our goal at main campus as well is to relay that information to the student body of what's going on, what we're working on, because it's important. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people forget what you touched on as a good point is, I think what, from what I've observed, people see student government sometimes as a club. 
Yeah, for, exactly. As a club yeah, for that, political yeah. science students. And it's so much more. You guys have so much more connections and... And weight. And weight, exactly. And you're a part of the conversations with administration. So you are the our, out, should be our outlet to go directly to you so that that can get to administration in a more fluid motion. For sure. Mm-hmm. And that um, moves into my next point about the administration in terms of... Um, uh, working with them to increase their transparency. Mm. So while I think that your idea with like the letters of the dean, I have been following those, those are like great. That's kind of the vibe that I would like to see from student government mm-hmm. because like these people are, like it's their job to represent like the students and the, the students have the right to know what's going on. What are you doing? I mean, right. some of the activity fee goes to them. They're being paid to do it. Yeah. If they're being paid to do that, that means they work for the students. So they should be held accountable for working with the students. Right. Because if, you know, after a month you've been in there and there's nothing to say in a brief, that's kind of problematic. Like I think it should definitely it would both like and I'm not saying that's an issue now, but it would it should be something that's simple because if they're doing their jobs, that's something so easy to do. And also it it increases that confidence in their student government, making it look less like just a club for poli-sci majors and much more of a force for good on campus if they can see what are you doing. Um, But in terms with the administration, it's no secret that after the main day decision there was a lot of confusion and the campus feel was kind of bummed out. It felt very much like students' voices were kind of ignored in that mm. decision and of course there were so many nuances to it and there were so many steps and for a while there I know I had students asking like is it student gov are you getting rid of it is it faculty senate but nobody knew who to blame nobody knew who to blame and it took so long for the administration to come out with that okay this is what's happening right. and I feel as though as student body representatives as people whose job it is to to be the face of the student we should hold the the deep belief that students come first we are a university without students this place would be nothing and in that case and in that situation and the situation that we have here is that students need to be at the forefront of every issue they need to be asked about every issue it needs to be students first and in no way am i do i think that the administration doesn't care about students i don't think Mm that um it's any sort of ill will. Right. I think there's just a really kind of laxed communication funnel. It's not It's not as maybe uh, active as it used to be. Yeah. And I think as personally as vice president, I would like to work on that because I don't think there are villains. I think everybody here, President Mundy, Dean Dana, the faculty senate, the student government, um, individuals um, and just the students all want New Maine to succeed. Yes. We all want to see it succeed. And when you don't have those direct lines of communication, things get taken out of context, confusion happens, people start pointing the blame. And I think that's what we saw was a lot of just chaos. It wasn't yeah. ill will. It wasn't that anybody was out to get anybody. Mm-hmm. It was just simply when all you hear about these big issues is hearsay. People come to conclusions. They jump to conclusions. So we need to start working with them. And I would like to do kind of in the same way that we're going to, like, I want to work with increasing the transparency of student gov by communicating with students. I would love Mm. to do, like, a leadership panel each semester where Dean Dana, President Mundy, and the president and vice president of student gov sit down, maybe on a panel format in the the Collins Center or something, and allow students to talk. And we have those open dialogues. And Mm -hmm. we can talk about the hard conversations with the fun new projects because 
when we have those leadership, you know, those different like levels of leadership, the on-campus leadership um, in terms of like those who are truly in control, like President Mundy, and those student voices from student government, when we have that open forum, uh, we can accomplish a lot. I think we could truly accomplish a lot. And also having them come to Senate. I mean, in my time here, uh, we've never had President Mundy come speak to Senate. And I feel like that yeah. would be so useful. Mm-hmm, we did a president's right. meeting where presidents of different clubs as well as student government leaders came and talked to her and it was kind of like an open talk but that was just for the leaders like let's open it up to everybody let's get that conversation going and let's make these people who seem unreachable or you know so busy Mm, but like let's let's open that up let's like show like because they're people too they're working for to better Maine too and we don't have to have this us versus them mentality as it's been right. painted to be. Right. So I don't think that's I don't think that's anybody's want. We all have the same goal. Right. We all are students or faculty of this university and it's only good for all of us when we're all working together and it's all succeeding. Mm-hmm. And that is my goal is to to increase that. So that was kind of my transparency pitch. The second is campus community. We know and we've talked about how the feeling on campus has been kind of down. Community has been an issue in almost every student government election about how can we bring this campus together. Because it does feel like as a political science major, I know I go to the poli-sci buildings, I don't really interact with other students. I'm so busy with student gov, so maybe that's part, <laughs> partly my problem. But um, like I think that we could do a lot with getting clubs to work together Mm -hmm. um, in fundraising and and when we when they come to us for money like I think student gov could do a lot more in co-hosting events Mm. like it's important like let's let's put together stuff together let's like let's go like hand in hand and like kind of work on big projects together and when budgets are tight like they are now right like how do we like work together to like make sure all of this stuff happens I think that would be awesome but also kind of bringing back the events that people liked. I mean, I wasn't here when Food Truck Fridays were a thing, but those Mm. were a hit. And I think those are the things that, like, bring kids to campus when they hear about these, like, events that people like, and nobody says no to free food. But, like, let's, like, talk to the student. Like, what what do people want to see? We have an entertainment division. But, like, you know, what what events do you want to see? We have, like, CSI doing, like, the nightly use and stuff. But I feel like we are in a unique position as students to really put on events that students want to see. And I think that's something that we do lack a little bit. Right. I think all these, uh, like CSI does an amazing job with all the events and they do like every night um, or like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I think they mm-hmm. do. Stuff like that, there's like painting. And I think a lot of students enjoy that, but there's a whole kind of slew of students who maybe don't want to do that, but maybe they don't want to do, you know, the weekend like Greek life thing and stuff like that. Yeah. Let's talk to them. What do they want to see? What is what? What can we do for them that that they don't currently have like something that they want to do? Like I think we should hear from them, but also kind of get people more connected to clubs. I think it's important because I think clubs are kind of the heart and soul of this campus. Like people, yeah. we're in such a like awesome position where anybody can create a club, and right. it's all like students are bringing their passions to campus, yes, and that yes. really like I mean. Look at main campus, for example. Like, all of you share a passion for journalism. Exactly. And um, covering the hard topics and, and connecting the, the community to information. Just like Student Gov, we're, right. we're passionate about making good changes. So, like, let's find kids' passions. Let's, like, yeah. find these students' passions. Let's make it for them. Let's make it even more available for them to, to pursue those. Because, obviously, we're all here to get a degree. Mm-hmm. We're all here as students. But 
there's so much more to campus than studying and it being an academic place, which is, of course, needs to come first. Mm -hmm. And I know I've maybe been putting that a little bit to the side (laughs) in terms of what I'm doing. But, like, let's, I think, expanding on those things. And when we talk about how do we bring kids here or students here and uh, high school graduates here, it's making them feel like when they get here, they're going to be a part of, like, a real tight-knit community. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of something that's been dwindling in the past. And then, finally, the biggest... um, thing I want to talk about in terms of community is a thing that's been going through student gov for a while is the dead week proposal yes. mm-hmm. so that's something that uh, former president Jasulo has been working on for a while and I intend to in my position currently as poly pro chair and representative to the provost um, to take up the mantle on with the lack of main day and kind of the understandable gives and takes that 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 brought we need to make like students in terms of academics as successful as possible and I'm sure uh, the Dead Week proposal is something you've heard yes. a lot Alyssa, about. Yes, um, when she was on the podcast last semester, she that was her big thing is proposing Dead Week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I want to continue that. Mm. Um, it would be a top priority for me for vice president if people don't know what Dead Week is, I could give a little bit of an explanation. Yeah, just give like a little recap. <laughs> so basically what it would do is it would disallow uh, tests, quizzes, essays, or anything that's like worth a certain percentage of your grade to be due on that final week of classes. So that would allow students to kind of, not necessarily de-stress, because that's a hugely stressful time, but it would give, it would let them reclaim that time. And really be able to focus on those finals and those big and for seniors those big capstone projects those things that are people are dreading for years right Mm -hmm. it would give them every student the ability to Mm de-stress some and any de-stressing during a finals like situation is going to be good because i mean the reason that people fail and the reason that people um you know psych themselves out is because they're so stressed out um so basically this would allow students to kind of reclaim their time it's something that as a candidate and something that i want to run on it's not a given there's Mm -hmm. a lot of steps that go towards it um some schools that have this are uh pittsburgh state um uc santa barbara and like mit they've kind of worked through it i've talked to a lot of student government officials from across the country i went to a student gov convention this um over break winter break and they talked about how the students really liked this. They really pushed it. It like rose their performance numbers and stuff. So that's something I want to take up that mantle because I think the like in terms of showing that they care about the students with the main day situation, I feel like this would be a good balance. This would mm. give it would accomplish the uh, harm reduction goals that the university might have with main day which we can go, we could talk about for hours. But on a surface (laughs) level, on a surface (laughs) level, um, it might be a way that we can find that common ground and really, like, improve the lives of students. Because that's our goal. Our goal is to improve the lives of students, both academically and socially on this campus. Mm -hmm. So... Now that I've rambled for what feels like an hour, I will will stop with that. I will stop with that. Okay. So, yeah, first of all, thank you so much, Keegan. Um, I feel very inspired right now. I can just see, like, I just feel the passion radiating from you. you. I know you have a lot of great goals that I hope to see come to fruition with student government. Um, You touch on 
a lot of ideas that we really want to tackle today. Mm-hmm. Um, the ideas of community, we talk about budget cuts, we talk about transparency, and these are all real relevant issues going on on campus right now. Um, so if we want to, Rose, you want to dive into the issue of budget cuts? So for budget cuts, um, University of Maine, they essentially, you know, COVID crisis, it hit a lot of people hard. It really hit the University of Maine incredibly hard because they got a lot of grants when COVID first started happening. So they got grants from the state government. Um, essentially, here's money. Here's what you can use towards your students. Um, you have a certain deadline that you have to use this money by. And they were expecting by the next semester, uh, students were going to come back. They were going to be able to use all this grant money and their enrollment numbers completely dropped. So that was the start of a bad, bad, (laughs) bad trend. So essentially now the University of Maine uh, budget is down the tank, it's down the drain, and they're continuing to to cut funding from different programs. Um, But yeah, so in their efforts to save face and to save the university they started closing things down like wells dining they closed down the oaks room there was a dormitory that they also closed down uh but there's been the issue of okay so they're closing down all of these buildings and these programs that students really care about students feel very passionate about and so how has that been affecting i guess the charm and appeal of students coming to the university to the University of Maine. So I think those are all uh, definitely like the big topics that students are talking about right now um, are the things that they're physically are like visually seeing like because that's I mean there's a bunch of issues that are going on that aren't so um, in your face but these are the ones that you know when you see it it it, it hits harder. Um, In terms of my opinions on um, humane and what's going on in terms of uh, changes and budget cuts and uh, decisions that they're making. Um, all of my opinions for the rest of this episode are my own. I can't speak <laughs> for student government, um, but I can speak as a person who who wants to see humane succeed. Mm-hmm. I'm and I'm and I just wanted to make it clear that um, this is coming from just as a fellow student who happens to be in student government, like what my views are here. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. Budget cuts. Budget cuts, yes. So, this is not my strength. I'm gonna put that out there. You were, um, you said a little bit that the student government, uh, they were talking about budget cuts, right? Um, Yeah, well, it's just like any sort of, uh, you know, body on campus. Like we see it, we hear it being representatives of students um, those concerns are brought to us um, in terms like we, we feel it too right because our, our budget is entirely connected to uh, activity fee which is connected to enrollment and as re- enrollment falls as we know is an issue so does our budgets um, right now we've seen a huge influx of budget requests yep. and a huge <laughs> influx of bigger budget requests kind of big ones and um we're doing our best to accommodate. Um, we've been saying, I'm on the executive budgetary committee, which is the one that approves or um, 
uh, doesn't approve budgets and um, requests, money requests. Um, and it's been hard. I mean, it's hard to listen to students, you know, pitch their case and want to help so much. Like, that's why I'm there is like, that's why we're all there Mm -hmm. is to provide those resources. But when we can't, that's just like, that sucks. You know what I mean? That hurt. Like, it's on a different level. It's kind of like, dang, like, I wish we could help, but we are doing our absolute best. We are definitely, um, while we're on the more conservative side of money, um, in terms of like conserving and and trying to get through the rest of the semester, um, we're saying yes to as much as we can, but we're also um, cutting some of those requests down so that we can give that money. Um, but in terms of the the uh, campus as a whole, outside of Student Gov, um, are there certain like big topics that you guys are hearing about in terms of those budget cuts, like well, those programs and such? What is what are the big because we definitely hear, we definitely hear about, like we heard about the Oaks Room a lot and how right. Oaks Room closed, but the coffee place in Furland opened, right? Yeah. So there's kind of that give and take. So like, what have what are, what have you guys been hearing? In Furland, that's the engineering building. Yep. Okay, because I think that's a big. I mean, from what I've been hearing, I think that's a big fear is that University of Maine has been putting money into this fancy new building, essentially putting a Band-Aid on a crumbling institution. Mm. And so I think a lot of people are scared that their programs are going to get cut. So like literature and journalism departments and, you know, the anthropology department, I think that's like a very real possibility that it could not be here within the next 10 years just because they want to spe- they want to UMaine wants to become an engineering school mm-hmm. essentially because they want to bring in as much students as possible mm-hmm. so here's where it gets convoluted right with um, like you talk about it kind of being a band-aid on a crumbling institution um, with you know Furland and the hotels being built next to the library um it's difficult because those monies that are being attributed to that aren't necessarily money that could go to something else a lot of that are donations and grants Mm -hmm. specifically for those things Mm -hmm. so that's where that nuance comes in where you can of course argue well if they're, you know, it is kind of like a focus and it's a priority that they're doing these things and they're getting these grants and they're putting up these buildings, but also it is money that is probably not available for anything else. So it's not in terms of the university picking and choosing per se. It's more so those programs, like we said, the engineering program is a huge one. It brings the donors and I'm pretty sure a lot of Furland did come from like donations, if I'm right. I could be entirely wrong, so don't take anything I say for fact but um it's kind of that conversation where it's like are they purposely doing this but regardless it does seem that way so if it's not them picking and choosing and it is not them putting a band-aid it's just how the resources are divided um they simply need to do a better job explaining that because they're putting up these buildings and they're going up and they're advertising them um but we don't see any explanation that for so why wouldn't we come to the conclusion that they're you know, neglecting everybody else. Exactly, because it raises the question of, you know, if these are coming directly from sponsors, which, like you said, I think a majority of the furland came from donations. Um, and so 
like you said, there's the picking and choosing, but then it does set a tone that your organization or your um, college does not matter as much if you're not bringing in bodies and numbers. So what is the university doing to then make sure that the other colleges don't feel neglected? Because mm-hmm. like you said, that's all that the picture is painting right now. So I feel like there's got to be more efforts maybe done to build that sense of community and not that this uh, there's a sense that this is a engineering school. Because mm-hmm. even though sure. it is a, it's a phenomenal engineering program, nobody's ever going to take it away. They've built a beautiful building with a lot of resources for these engineering students to further their careers. But at the end of the day, it also can be perceived as a slap in the face to students that are in these old buildings with just like a floor to themselves Mm -hmm, for sure there's an article by um robbie feinberg of the main public and he essentially talks about university of maine faces a 15 million dollar budget shortfall as enrollment plummets so i think that's a big thing as well the huge um budget cuts and like how the university doesn't have any money is because there has been a low enrollment number, especially this past semester. There was, I believe, okay, so according to New Center Maine, um, despite the high acceptance rate, so University of Maine's acceptance rate went up from 91% last year and it is now 96% as of February 2023. Enrollment numbers are down by 5.64% for the undergraduate enrollment and is dropped by a total of 13.4% since January 2019. And I think it's it's an issue of how can UMaine rebrand themselves and also, you know, seem more appealing to students because it's an R1 institute. There's a lot of research. There's a lot of jobs up here. And for some reason, they can't get students to come up here um and then that could also turn into topics of you know southern maine university of southern maine and northeastern going down to portland and it's creating competition for umo as well but no and the budget thing is it's it's a huge but it's like i mean we could talk about it for That's hours the thing, and, and yes. also yes with yes. so much of the like information being because i i was just going through while you're talking um, the big uh, UMaine's vision for tomorrow, the comprehensive campaign that was kind of started in like 2017. It's been going on for the 200 million goal. Um, that did have a lot to do with Furland and um, just reading about it just slightly. Uh, $25 million of it was raised in pub- like private support from like donors and past mm-hmm. alumni and stuff. So um, it's definitely big. But like you said, it's all about perception. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and when there isn't like a you know comprehensive uh information campaign about like why these are going up in the state of the other you know there isn't they're not talking constantly about the state of the other programs and stuff it's it's easy to feel neglected so right, it's a right. lot it's it's what we're talking about it's the transparency aspect it's that that issue of queuing simply like cuz i think a lot of the issues could be avoided a lot of the scan like this feel of um, uncertainty or they don't actually like care about us could be solved through just 
more communication, better right. communication. Right, actually talking to these program heads and yeah. saying, hey, you guys are okay. This is just how it's going to, how money is going to be distributed. Right, because it year. does look bad yes. when you hear budget cuts, budget cuts, and you watch these buildings right. build, like, oh, like, right. rise. You're like, okay. Because, I mean, if I didn't do what I did and looked it up, and really looked it up, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't know anything about it. And, it. and it's all about public perception. You guys know that, all right? Yes. <laughs> public opinion is everything. And that includes for kids who want to come here. Yep. And when you're not graduating with engineering dreams, as I didn't either, <laughs> um, you know, you see that at UMaine, you're like, all right, they really care about their engineering. Like, wow, what a great engineering school. But, you know, I'm into journalism, social yep. work. It's not, doesn't seem like the first choice right. for them or for you, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, another, like, two, two other things with um, why student enrollment is down for UMaine as a whole is because, number one, Governor Mills uh, announced a proposal for free community college to students, to high school students that graduated between 2020 and 2023. So that has created a... Uh, surge in enrollment numbers uh, with community colleges across Maine, but that has in turn plummeted numbers at the University of Maine. And like you were talking about earlier, if the University of Maine has did something, like if they were approached by Governor Mills or by the state government saying, hey, if you give incentives to these students, Mm -hmm. they could have used that as a way to actually get their enrollment numbers up again. Because they would have been... um, What's the word? Like, subsidized? Subsidized. The they yeah. would have been subsidized by the state. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's the thing is, I don't know what those talks were like. I mean, um, I think, to me at least, um, free college is free college. I think that's mm-hmm. an amazing opportunity for these students. And with uh, COVID being so hard on people, both financially and mentally, like taking that relief out and, you know, uh, Governor Mills taking that stand and being like, listen, like we're going to invest in you. Like we got all this money, like this money was given to us to to help people through this hard time and that's what we're gonna do. Um, so I don't know if the UMS system was approached with that or if it was only community college because it is the cheaper option for the state to like, cover. Um, but, you know, if they were, I think it would have been just, a because gr- it could also have just been the same thing. It could have been two years or something. Like they didn't have to do a full four year tuition for free if that's what they didn't want to do. but. I'm sure there's a lot of red tape and stuff that they would have to go through. But right. the fact of the matter is, is I don't think you can blame students for choosing to go to community for college. For no, free. right. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's super, super, like, so, I guess maybe that's my own personal belief in terms of our edu- um, the American education system, but I think that's awesome. Yeah. And um, that also means that while we may be in a little bit of a downflux of, of enrollment, um, a lot of those students who are going to those community colleges for two years-ish um, are probably going to transfer into universities. Right. So how does the University of Maine say, hey, we know you got this amazing deal. How do we be like, listen, like, come to UMaine after you're done with that yep. like, and like, continue your education? And a lot of that, um, I guess, would I'd ha- we'd have to talk to the administration about that and yep. what their thoughts were on that. Yeah, for right. sure. Because it's important. Like, I think... like. Uh, definitely doing because if I in my because I'm doing like a pre-law track here if I could have done that through community college I would have (laughs) let me be clear I would have Um, but I couldn't so how do they say hey those who did 
Like here's like let's let's finish it out here. Let's right. get you here. Mm-hmm. And how do they entice those students? How That's we, kind of the big. Yeah. How do we leave right? a little candy trail? Like yeah, people coming little to... breadcrumbs <laughs> and probably a little co- you know some some money some coins. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, but that'd be a good. I like giving scholarships to students that were part of that program. Is like a little hey. Like, I know you have to pay tuition now, but here's, like, 500 bucks, like, if you come to UMaine. Right, who knows who that, and I don't even know. Yeah. Honestly, I'm not a financial person. <laughs> I'm not, I don't um. pretend to be, so I don't know the nuances. <laughs> but, you know, those, just as a student who sees, you know, just as a regular Joe who mm-hmm. sees, like, what's going on, like, I guess that would be my question to UMaine, is, like, how are you going to get those students to want to come here to further yep. their education? Yep. So... Um, and then one one last thing, too, is that this could be seen, because... It's not just UMaine that is having a enrollment numbers that are dropping. Yeah. Uh, New Center Maine, they stated that overall in the U.S., uh, enrollment numbers are down 9.4% for undergraduate student bodies. So I feel like this is a trend of just young people realizing a college degree isn't worth what it used to be. Sure, yes. for sure. Yes. And on top of that, it's also that sense of like, the reality is, is some people were set back by COVID mm-hmm. two years. Mm-hmm. So um, there is also a big possibility that this, like you know, countrywide shortage is those you know COVID kids. I hate to use that term, but like <laughs> those ones who were set back, and maybe we will fall back into the right track. But in such an uncertain time, it's definitely important to pivot and like, okay, say this: we never go back. Then what? How do we sustain this? Because um, as tuitions rise across the country and stuff like that, it just becomes more difficult for students to, uh, high school graduates to even consider college. Right. So how do we make that easier for them? Right, right. That would be my question. Mm-hmm. All right, I see Grace like on the edge of her seat. She wants to <laughs> talk about Main Day. She is so, ready. Yeah. All right, let's hand it over to Grace. We're going to talk about Main Day. Well, I just feel like the issue that's really come to the forefront of at the main campus is lack of transparency it's something that we at main campus have been diving into <laughs> since the beginning of last semester since the information started leaking out about main day um, which that was very messy you know we tried to pull together an editorial with all the information that we could gather about it but at that point at the beginning of the fall 2022 semester there was so little information to grab onto. Our emphasis was, what is the fact that nobody did know what was going on? And so flash forward, we had the faculty senate meeting, which had a huge student turnout, which was so awesome to see. And I think it was the first time that the university in a while really saw students care about these issues Mm -hmm. and what's going on, and they wanna be a part of the conversations. So, Cut forward, we know President Farini Mundi put together the Main Day Task Force, which has resulted in the announcement of Main Day being branded to Main Day Week. Why not just make it Main? Why not just make it Main Week? Why is it Main Day Week? <laughs> that's like first off, that's a stupid <laughs> name. It just like kind of rubs some salt in the wound. You know, yes. like, Main Day Week. Like yes. remember what the, you know what remember it what was. It used to be. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. And it was interesting to read in the cuz they posted the task force report. And I read that whole thing. And mm-hmm. one of their con- major concerns was the fact that if you turn this into main day week and eliminate main day, students are still going to try to what 
the university's concern was party on main day. Mm-hmm. It's already been a talks. I'm sure you guys have heard a lot of people on campus talking about it, what their main day plans still are, because this is not going to stop it. And I guess I just kind of want to know if you guys think that this is going to spiral, if this is something that is going to make even the university have to reconsider next you know main day having to rebrand it again if this ends in complete chaos mm-hmm. what are your thoughts Katie? <laughs> okay what are your, if you're, yeah what are, you, what are your thoughts on the whole kind of just the decision first of all to change it from yeah. main day to main day week so um main day was something that i uh it's something that's talked about when you talk about coming to UMaine, mm-hmm. right? The reality is, whether the university likes it or not, part of the appeal of the University of Maine is the party life, right? And that's not why I came to UMaine, right? right? But that's why, that's when you're in high school and you're looking at schools and stuff, that's what you hear about. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? Mm-hmm. All right. It's an influence. <laughs> it definitely an influence. has an influence. Um, but Maine Day was that thing that mm-hmm. every UMaine student had in common. Yeah. In a campus that's so big with so many different majors where you go to class and you don't see half the, you, you know, you go to your day to day and you're not seeing like 99% of the student body because when you're in that major and you're in those classes, those are who you see. And so it's hard to say like everybody in uh, at UMaine has like, or like a common experience because it's so different for everybody. But Maine Day was that common experience. Um, so that was always kind of like, oh, I never got to experience that as a UMaine student. Mm-hmm. That being said, um, there was definitely cause for concern from yeah. Maine Day. Um, how much of that will this help? Mm-hmm. How much of that is within the, stu- like the, the university's control? Um, we'll find out. Right. <laughs> we'll right. definitely find right. out this year. Right. Um, but what it comes down to is, I and what really, what I think made it so much worse than it had to be, even if it truly was about student safety, mm-hmm. was students didn't feel heard. Yes. They didn't feel cared about. They didn't feel talked to. And the main day task force, while a good idea, I would say, like, a little too late. Mm-hmm. It didn't mm-hmm. feel authentic. Um the university had kind of already made a decision. And and honestly, the way that task force are usually used in like the real world is kind of to delay an inevitable. Mm-hmm. And that's how it felt. And that's how, what ended up happening. Yeah. And like you said, the student reaction was, I feel like at first kind of like shocked. Yeah. And then very mixed. Nobody believed it. Nobody so. believed it. Because nobody knew what to believe for so long. Right. Nobody knew what was going on. Exactly. Right. I know like everybody showed up to that faculty senate meeting, which I, I was there too. Mm-hmm. Um thinking that that was the body that was making the decision. And they were talking, but it wasn't even true. All the student, uh, all the faculty senate was doing was making a recommendation whether to reinstate classes, not change anything about it. And and then when, and this is something that I think is important for students to remember, Mm -hmm. is that when they took initiative, like I'm pretty sure President Mundy and Dean Dana weren't supposed to be at that meeting, but they showed up. Mm -hmm. They were there to talk and listen and talk it through. And we got that attention. But how do we work with the administration? And I know I talked a lot about working with the administration earlier mm-hmm. um, during like my campaign pitch. <laughs> but like, how do we be pro proactive? Mm-hmm. How do we get in front of that? And how do we get um, almost all of the 
like the governing bodies on the same page so that we don't have so much chaos I think is the true conversation we should be having after this because in reality main day has been decided Mm -hmm. and I think that where I think honestly if it is even more chaotic this year it'll only make things worse for students because I think that will respond or make it force the administration to respond in a more it's just just no guarantees there's no guarantees that it going at that kids skipping classes and making a bigger you know ruckus not that I am against you know I think students should do what students want to do with this is their campus but like it's in but is it going to put people in harm Mm -hmm. like that is because of course student safety is number one right right but is it student safety the real reason because you know while main day is absolutely crazy and main day does have like is like kind of um exacerbated in terms of what goes on this stuff is happening every weekend right and the university isn't putting things in place for that so was it like it just feels it does feel i think and and it might not be the administration's um want maybe Mm -hmm. that's not what they wanted it to feel like Mm -hmm. but it does feel like more like they were worried about pr than student students i'll hand it to you real quick um so if you don't know what main day is main day is a day of public service on the main campus um and so it's essentially you perform a day of community service it was established in 1935, and over the years, it kind of morphed into a big day of celebrating UMaine and partying. And the big thing that students do is that they go to off-campus apartment complexes, so like the Avenue and um, but the Reserve. And so if you are new here, if this is your first year, you will see just videos upon videos online of kids being like loud they're climbing street lights they're just doing a bunch of dangerous things and so like keegan was saying i think this is an issue of not humane really caring about not to say that they don't care about students again um because i know like at some point that they do they do yeah yeah they do yeah they, they do, do. They do. They but do. it's if again they don't stop weekend parties so i think the disbanding main day is their way of kind of saving face because they don't want more lawsuits on their hands so this is how they can kind of address dangerous party activities without really like interfering with weekend stuff and i don't think i agree with uh what the point that keegan made i don't think that that's their intention Mm -hmm. but that's unfortunately how it's coming across um you know all of these because they didn't bring these concerns up. The AV brought these concerns yes. Yes, it to UMaine. It would have never been an issue had the AV not brought a representative to UMaine and said, hey, you need to stop the partying. Right, because I think it was probably a conversation that administration's been having for a while, but what kind of was the fi- – what, what we've kind of put together is it seems like the final push was the AV coming and saying, hey – this is what's happening, showing the administration videos of being like, this has to stop. That was the final push for them to be like, okay, now this is putting us at risk for exposure of bad press. Right. Yes. 
and and the way it was proposed to us, uh, because because they brought it to student gov quite early on, mm-hmm. um, but not in like a super official capacity. Our advisor just kind of mentioned it. it was like this is what's going to happen. It was kind of like a be like get ready. That's what we heard. Um, and it came down on us much quicker than we thought it, mm-hmm. it would. Um, but I don't know what led to it. Yeah. Like I'm new yeah. to campus. Um, I'm not new to, you know, school issues and mm-hmm. high school, you know, stuff like that. But in terms of like this big and at this scale, it is scary when yeah. you are in charge of an institution mm-hmm. like these people are. Yeah. And you see videos like they did. Um, and I know the task force was very, very thorough in looking at those videos and mm-hmm. stuff. And the hospital numbers are terrifying. Yeah. So when you are in charge of a university that celebrates a day where they let students have the day off, mm-hmm. it does look as if they are kind of, in a way, supporting those behaviors. Yeah. And I understand where they're coming from when it comes to like not wanting to endorse that. My take would be, and one of uh, my professors from last semester, Brian Pittman, he's a sociology professor here. He's amazing. He's also a faculty uh, senator. Mm-hmm. Brought up is, where's the harm reduction? I'm a huge harm reduction advocate, and more and more I want to see the university look into those things. Because right. like um, Dean Dana said during the faculty senate, um, when somebody asked him, oh, what about every other weekend? And Dean Deanna said, um, oh, well, we still need to take care of each other. That's when it was like, okay, so this is more of a PR problem. Right. And every other weekend we have to take care of each other when people, you know, are taking care of each other on main day too in the same regard. Yeah. Um, but how can the university better equip our students to take care of right. each other? Right. Um, and there's a huge, and I know it's definitely a contentious issue and it's something that I would have to um, – talk to different people about but something Mm -hmm. I would like to see in terms of like student gov supporting is harm reduction services um fentanyl test strips yes um oh that'd be a huge one huge Mm -hmm. one and that's something that is like growing in popularity across the country um uh uh, narcan training yes stuff like that like if are because it's true right I mean there are two people in on a governing board in charge of almost you know 1200 students mm-hmm. you can't be there for everyone exactly and students do have to be there for like when you know you have to be responsible every right. weekend like right. you need like kids know mm-hmm. you gotta have that designated driver or you need to have a plan before you go there and you need right. to make sure your friends aren't you know over drinking and stuff because the fact of the matter is is college students are gonna be college students right there's no changing that yeah. that's gonna happen Drinking is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Underage drinking is going to happen. And as much of an issue as it is, it's just the reality that young adults are going to be young adults. So how do we better equip young adults to take care of each other? Exactly. And that would be my question is, you know, if you're worried about people, you know, over drinking on main day and stuff, what about keeping the dining halls open 24 hours that day? Right. Mm-hmm. Give them a place to... Um, like eat and Hydrate. fill and not yes. have to go off campus for food. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course that becomes, you know, uh, difficult because you don't want people traveling to campus yeah. drunk or anything like that. So, you know, uh, I would say one thing that I was looking into and I don't know how logistic it would be or realistic it would be, but something I would like to work on is some sort of like um, 
late night service, taxi service. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot. Of, uh, I've seen a few schools do it where it's like no questions asked yes. rides. Students can call or ask for a ride. Somebody will come. Um, pick them up and they won't have any worries of like getting caught for drinking and stuff mm-hmm. because when students are worried about that they're not going to take those safer right. routes right if, if we if the university sets up a system and they're like yeah we'll give you rides home but then they're worried about getting in trouble for it they're not going to use it so we know it's going to happen so let's accept that it's going to happen and put student safety first before punishment and trying to do those things so it's it's more like a if we know it's going to happen and we know it can get really dangerous, how do we make it as least like as less dangerous as possible? Because just trying to get rid of it isn't realistic. And I know I've been on another tangent now, but like that's kind of what it felt like, right? With Main right. Day was like, oh, we can just get rid of it and then turn the other way. Right. And that's just not the reality. Right. And if kids do take it to another level, like we've hopefully we it doesn't happen, but like mm-hmm. Yak was us on fire exactly. after the Main Day decision, like student safety is still very much on a line and potentially even more so now. That's the fear. Yes. And going off of the taxi service idea, I think that's a great idea to establish at UMaine because it's difficult because the University of Maine is in the middle of essentially wilderness. There's like, there's not really good Uber out here. There's not really good bus service out here. And so I know at my old school, there used to be something called Laser Team and laser stood for law-abiding students ever ready. And it was essentially just students driving golf carts. But if you needed a ride for whatever reason, you could call up the laser team and they'd pick you up at any building on campus. And that, and even sometimes they would take you off campus depending on like how close by it was. But yeah, I think that would be a great, great thing to establish. I think the overall point to take away from that is that Safety is supposed to be the number one concern with this decision, like you said. And if that were the case, they would be taking more steps to ensure student safety as opposed to just rebranding Main Day. Yes. Because there's still that fear that with this decision, it's not going to change damn result and could potentially escalate it. So that, at the end of the day, I think is at least my personal fear that if safety is the number one concern, what is this day going to look like if it spirals even further? Exactly. And the other thing is that if the university's decision is to get its name off it and then turn its back, that's scary too. Right. Because then if the university is now like, oh, like we're not responsible for it, so whatever happens, happens. Which I don't think is – that's the thing. Is I don't think you mean – knowing the administration semi – better than most I would say just because of like the we have this conversation all the time let me tell you main day (laughs) holy crap but like I think that they don't want to turn their back like I think this is truly probably a first step and it's a desperate step because they don't know what to do and this is like the most for like apparent first step but I think that what we have to do is make sure that this isn't the last step. Because if they are going to do this and they are going to change such an important tradition, then we need to make sure that those changes are coupled with progress. It is coupled with those harm reduction investments. It's coupled with those things. And also coupled with, like I said, a Dead Week initiative. Right. Like, when you're going to take, you kind of got to give. And that's just, like, the reality. But you don't have to, you know 
take away a party and then give a big like a party back like that's not what we're asking no. but what we can ask for is like all right well now that we don't have that day of like specific service and classes off on that last day before classes let's do a dead week initiative right. let's give those students re- like like more time and let's let's lessen it you know let's lessen that hot water um and i think that the administration hopefully is going to look into ways that they can um while kind of having to be the bad cop, mm. also being the good cop. And that's what I'm hoping to see. And if we don't see that, that's when it's our responsibility to hold them accountable for it. Yeah. Awesome. I think we've touched on this topic pretty well. Yes. I think that yes. we could go on and on about this decision. I oh think it's God, something yeah, that no. all like students a million could different care ways about. Exactly. For sure. Exactly. Because you just know, you just know, it's like... Uh, a bomb just ready to go right. off because everyone's thinking main day oh this is going to be the last one this is going to be like let's just do it up let's party mm-hmm. let's go crazy for the last right. official like official quote-unquote main day yeah but <laughs> but let's transition a little bit and touch on um i think this one one more topic right. that is something that was introduced last semester as well that main campus media has also been um, investigating a little bit as well. Um, So November of 2022, the president's office sent an email to the UMaine community announcing a partnership with Sodexo. So Sodexo is essentially a food service and management company that will oversee future dining hall operations at UMaine. Um, There's been some concerns about their background, how this this transition is going to affect UMaine employees, um, but then they've also um, said that there's going to be a lot of expansions. Their plan is to modernize our dining facilities, um, and that they have all these big plans. Um, so, Keegan, is there anything that you can share that student government is aware of? Yeah. Have they been collaborating with this Sodexo decision? Just anything you have on that? So, for those who don't know how student government works, the Senate um, consists of a bunch of uh, different sort of committees, and one of our committees is the services chair. And what the services chair does is meets with uh, UMaine services and talks about things like the Sodexo deal, um, laundry, stuff like that. All the services on campus, they're kind of like that liaison, um, that intermediate person between services department and the students um, and student gov. And our uh, services chair, Memphis Peterson, he's a senator, um, recently had a last-minute meeting with Tad Stone, who is um, head of dining now, I think that's Mm -hmm. his position. Um, And he gave him a bunch of updates about what the Sodexo deal is, what it looks like, and the investments. So I could, um, if you wanted, touch on those a little bit, those outlines. Absolutely. Sure, so I'll bring that up. Um, So what we were told in Senate... um, and the report that we were given from the uh, from Memphis was that the deal is going to consist of a $7.5 million um, investment that will go toward upscaling the dining services at UMaine, um, with $2.5 million going to each dining hall over the next three years. Wow. Um, well Central is the first phase, beginning this summer, and planned to open for the fall semester. No. Yeah. So they're reopening. Reopening Wells. Uh huh. I'm glad to announce. Yes. I was going to say, is this public knowledge? So this was given right into our Senate meeting. So, um,. It is now. I think it's it's still in the work, of course, and they're (laughs) going to work on, like, letting, like, students know, I think, right now. But this is the information we were giving 
um, to provide students with. Um, so the first 2.5 million are going to go to Wells Central. Um, the current plan is to turn Wells Central into a campus hangout spot, which means possibly moving the pub there, offering open patios in the fall and spring, and introducing a 24-hour market in a similar vein as Hilltop Market, but digital and automated. Whoa. All right. And this is when it gets a little <laughs> freaky, but also really cool. Um, basically, in this like digital automated market, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of like the Amazon stores and grocery stores in like New York City and stuff, but... You just swipe your card for access. Um, you walk in, collect your goods, and the numerous cameras recognize you and automatically charge your card when you leave. Jesus, wow. It's all facial recognition. Ew, no, I really, I hate that. Isn't it scary? It's like we're living in, like, the oh Matrix. Oh, my God. That's like, like policing <laughs> That's in a way. That's so, horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll continue. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, the campus's virtual dining experience. Um, so there will be like a uh, delivery bar- bots. I don't know if you've seen them on other campuses. Other campuses have this, but they're like little rolly, like little. Um, yeah, I've seen like TikToks of them. Like they're very prominent out in LA. And what shit. is the movie with the robot? Wally. Is it Wally? Yeah. So like Wally vibes. <laughs> so like the little robots. So I don't know the like it, like the really detailed details. I'm just reading from this, but from the sounds of it, like they're looking to like technologically overhaul this campus wow. with this deal. You know, another issue I can definitely be- see is um, frat boys abducting and kicking over those robots, and there's going to be a lot of <laughs> money lost and issues with that. So I don't know. We'll see. I think. I think. I'm sure there'll be, I mean. There's always risks. There's always risks for right. students. I don't know specifically what types of students would do that, <laughs> but it looks really cool. Like, it looks like a cool little, um, feels like we're living in a, the 30th, you know, 3,000. Um, but, oh, let me read. Let me. There'll be, like, an everyday app. There's going to be, like, an app mm-hmm. to, like, have all of this information. Um, and an architect will be coming to campus soon to scope out wells and take suggestions from students and staff. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen, but the dining, like, uh, department has been opening up forums. Like, you can actually be a taste tester where they will bring you in every now and then and you'll taste foods that might go into the into like options and you'll get to like try the food before anybody else does so if anybody's involved definitely look into that mm-hmm. i can even send you some information mm-hmm. if i can find it um so they're doing like a lot of student conferencing and surveys so definitely if you have any sort of opinions voice them yeah. because that's what they're looking for and they're yeah. giving that avenue so definitely take advantage of that for any of the listeners and yeah. stuff who want to be involved um Oh, along with the new Wells Central coming this fall, UMaine will also be getting its own fully decked food truck that can make whatever students and staff vote for. Um, They said one day it may offer tacos, um, and a survey will be available asking what they should serve next. So this will be like a UMaine food truck. I'm assuming it's just like rolling around or something. No, sounds interesting. Um, And then York um, will be the next project in 2024. Uh, They'll be getting their... Uh, $2.5 million to do with. I, I think um, it says that they're trying to retain York's cozy and intimate atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, Hilltop will get its turn in the 2025. Um, the Oaks Room is still being debated. They don't know if they'll open that. Um, oh, oh, you know what? They could win everyone over if they reopen. The well, Oaks here's <laughs> the information about this. It says... Um, 
It says that the Oaks Room may be rendered uh, obsolete and unnecessary, uh, which is interesting. But it says, none of this is pre-planned, and all of these are based on fresh ideas and suggestions from the UMaine community. Focus groups are continuing throughout the semester, which Mr. Stone highly suggests people attend so they can get as much input as possible. Um, So that's my suggestion. I mean, we are the students. So, like, if we have opinions on this, and with Wells being such a huge... <laughs> tragedy yeah. from what I'm hearing with Wells closing. Yeah. Like, let's get involved because I think this is super. This is like this, like, depart, like this kind of subsection of you mean really kind of exp- extending the olive branch. It's like, yeah. let's, like, let's hear from you guys. Let's so, voice our opinions. definitely, I would suggest main campus specifically getting those things out there because while some of the things kind of sound a little scary, um, it sounds like it's gonna come with a lot of additives too. Yeah. too. So that's that's my information I have to offer awesome. for you guys. Well, just to add as a student, a student voice, um, you know they can add all the technology and fancy stuff and it all sounds great, but how shitty is the food gonna be? <laughs> Hey, that is why they have focus groups. groups. And they were also talking about how Sodexo's plan, um, it, kind of how it works is that they try to utilize local food, mm-hmm. which is always good. Yes. Um, so I guess really it's up to the students as a whole mm-hmm. if we, because I think if we pushed them and we're like, this, listen, this food is bad, they would they would figure something else out. So my advice is on as it is for every issue, (laughs) Um, voice, 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 voice. Like get out and and share your opinions in every way that you can. In the poll that uh, I know the University of Maine put out a Gallup poll about just students' feelings about UMaine in general. I saw that. Get involved. Mm -hmm. Give them your suggestions because what it does is when we don't take those avenues, it gives them an excuse to say, well, students don't care enough to tell us, so we'll do what we want. And that's when we have issues right? right so let's like let's take those avenues and then also through avenues like student government push not just the administration but push your student government rec- like representatives to do their jobs right. and not that they're not now but like if you see something like hey that's what they're there for mm-hmm. reach out tell them about it talk to them about it go to their offices they're always <laughs> open anybody can walk in there mm-hmm. and it may seem intimidating but i promise you the people in that office, each and every one of them currently and in the future are just good people. They yeah. all are. Yeah. Um, our current president, Bray, is very easy to talk to. Um, our new VP, Delorge, is always looking for students to talk to. So, like, I would suggest anybody who has any sort of ideas or concerns to reach out to them. Because, I mean, like we've talked about, it's, it's all about those conversations and getting those conversations started yeah because at the end of the day we all have the same goal and it's not going to be one person or one administration that creates change it's going to take the student body it's going to take student government it's going to take administration it's going to take all of us communicating with each other to actually see real change on campus for sure yeah so I think we've covered a lot of really good topics today (laughs) we really dove right into it um if there's is there any other things that you want to just Throughout there, do you feel like you kind of? Um, I feel like I've probably talked enough. (laughs) I'm sorry if I talk too much, but um, I guess the last thing I would like to plug, if I may, is just reiterating that I am running for student body vice president. So if you liked any ideas that I said, um, please follow me. um, Follow my personal Instagram account, uh, Keegan. It's let me just pull up all my information so we can 
really get people connected. And I don't know if you guys have like descriptions and stuff that you can put this stuff in, right? Yes. So uh, follow my personal Instagram. It's K-E-E-G-A-N-T-R-I-P-P underscore, just my name. Um, and then my campaign account uh, will be uh, Keegan4VP. So K-E-E-G-A-N, the number four, and VP. Very simple. Um, so you guys can get engaged and help me help you make some positive changes. Like, let's do this together. That's my goal. Yes. Um, but other than that, I appreciate you guys allowing me on. Like, this is awesome. It's been so much fun. Um, you guys are doing such awesome work in this office. And I would love to see um, this highlighted more and a better, you know, bridge between us and student government. Because while... Uh, we're the representatives for the students you guys are the voice and it makes no sense to work against each other or exactly. away from each other we should be working together so exactly. that's it just thank you guys very much all right and if there's anything um that we talked about in the episode today that you would like to reach out to main campus about feel free to reach out to grace our editor-in-chief at eic at maincampus.com um, we are happy to hear anyone's voices opinions uh, any notes you have, we're here. We're open. So, yeah. Sure. And thank you, Keegan. Thank you. Of course. Of course. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. The Anecdote Podcast is an extension of Maine Campus Media, a student-run publication based out of the University of Maine, Orono, and our state's longest-standing university news source. Look for new anecdote episodes posted every other Monday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. You can follow Main Campus Media at The Main Campus on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. To support our show, please leave us a rating and follow us on any listening platform to be notified when a new episode is published. Let us know what you think of the podcast and what you would like to hear by leaving a review or emailing us at anecdote if you're interested in viewing show notes with sources and outlines of how episodes are made, be sure to check out the Anecdote page on the Main Campus website at maincampus.com. The Anecdote podcast is produced by myself, Rose Duane, and is hosted by Rose Duane and Grace Blanchard. Graphics are by Delaney Burns, and theme music and transitions are composed by Sam Blanchard. Maine Campus Media recognizes that the University of Maine is located on Marsh Island in the home of the Penobscot Nation, where issues of water, territorial rights, and encroachment on sacred sites are ongoing. Mm-hmm.